Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless Possible. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello! Welcome back. Coming up on today's show, a big old recap of the stories that dominated this summer and boy do we have a show for you. From Hilaria Baldwin's Spanish controversy to Army Hammer's Dear Heartways no. <laughs> to Olivia Rodrigo's viral and chart-topping song, we are covering every story we missed over the break. And I'm kind of desperate to do so. But before we get there, Michelle, how was your break? It was a terrific break. I feel like we were robbed of holidays, but that's okay, guys. It's all right. First world problems. Zara and I had booked interstate holidays over the summer. We should have known that Miss Corona was going to fuck them up for us. But you know what? I had a great time off anyway. I feel like all I needed was like a few weeks to collect my thoughts, move house, change of scenery. They say change is as good as a holiday anyway. So I was stoked. I know. I have to say it was remarkably optimistic of us to even assume that interstate holiday was <laughs> going to happen. Like I think we got to the point at the end of the last year, this this moment of thinking that everything was done and mm-hmm. it must be a survival mechanism. Like it must be something that kicks in to make you think that everything's done and we don't have to go through all this uncertainty again. But alas, it wasn't the case. But I have to great you just need a little bit of time off work I think. exactly I have so many things to recommend yeah, and I too. know we've got like we've got like a big bumper episode today so I will get through these as quickly as I can but I can't go past three different watch recommendations that I have for the listeners nice the first the Queen's Gambit on Netflix I'm a little late to the game but holy shit I'm obsessed with chess have you watched it I have are you proud of that did you watch all of it all of it and you liked it I loved it amazing if you haven't watched it I know it's hard to sell you just have to trust us on this one yes it's all about a feminist chess player but there are some like sexy things involved too there's some drama some controversy going on I have to say I did have one thought when I finished it and it was I don't know how you'd sell this to people because Mm. I did love the show I loved the show but looking back on the six to eight episodes or however many there were not a lot happened. No, not really. Not but it's a still lot brilliant. actually happened. 60 million people have watched it around the world, apparently. Yeah. And good news story, it took decades for the main writer behind the series and the creator of the series to actually have it picked up by a network. So we just love a feel-good story like so that. So then maybe I was right. Maybe there was nothing <laughs> to sell it. <laughs> That's why he wasn't able to. All the networks were like, what the fuck? No. But yes, it has paid off for Netflix and I highly recommend that. So The Queen's Gambit, my second one is Bump on Stan. This is an Australian drama. It's got Claudia Carvin in it. You guys would have heard actually in some of the Shameless episodes ads for Bump over the summer holiday. Let me tell you one of the best Aussie dramas I have ever seen. 
I have one small gripe in that there's one scene where they're playing a soundtrack of a baby crying and you can see the baby and it's not crying, but I'll forgive the series for that because it is I epic. I mean, how the fuck do you get a baby to cry <laughs> on cue? You are right though. We did run ads for that. So we should very much specify right now that it has been sponsored in the show before, but this is a separate editorial non-sponsored shout out. Non-sponsored shout out. They haven't paid for this at all. I think the acting is brilliant. I also just love the storyline of a surprise pregnancy, like someone being like pregnant, Juno. giving birth and not really. Realizing. I love it. Oh, so oh, is that a spoiler? No, it's like first 10 minutes of the oh, first perfect. episode. First 10 minutes of the first episode, guys. My final recommendation, of course, is Bridgerton on Netflix. Just brilliant. I'm sure you guys have seen it around. It's the number one trend on Netflix and say. has been for three weeks. It's so sexy and so hot. I just love the main characters in it. I have heard though, because I've been tempted, like I've been flirting with this idea of watching it, but I keep now reading that it's pretty overrated and not a lot happens. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I I vouch for it. I think it's a good thing to watch if you don't have much on. I wouldn't like allocate a whole lot of time in your life to make room for it. It's just <laughs> a good watch. Like it's a solid recommendation. It's not going to shatter your world and like change the way you see things. It's just a good use of your time. I mean, it's an interesting recommendation when you say I wouldn't allocate a, a huge amount of time <laughs> to this just if you have nothing else to do in your life. It's very horny. It's very sexual. Right. So if you like that, you'll be very into it. Just hold on for a few episodes, guys. Right. It gets there. It gets. It goes from like G-rated to R-rated quite quickly. Oh, gosh. Yeah. What about you? Naughty oldies. I had a great break. I deleted all my social media apps, which sounds like the world's most basic thing to do, but I couldn't recommend it more if I tried. <laughs> I think everyone kept being like, were you kind of searching for them? You know how your thumbs sort of have a mind of its own mm-hmm. or their own when you're on your phone? I found myself not even looking for any of the apps after a day or two like I was just completely checked out and I started to realize as I was on the break like how do I bring this energy into the year because I don't really want to be on social media that much anymore I think Mm. the only reason I'd still be on there is because of work Mm. and I thought maybe I'll just delete it on the weekends so have sanitized social media weekends and keep them during the week but I do have to say if anyone is thinking about it I think it'll be much easier than you realize Mm. deleting that stuff and there was just this insane amount of peace that I felt being able to like read I think I've read upwards of eight or nine books yeah see I didn't delete social media and I read zero books this is right, and I, well, I don't know it, it depends on how you find like peace and calm but I find that I almost meditate the most when I'm reading a book and I hadn't done that in years I hadn't really mm. recommitted to reading and Annabelle who's sitting right next to me wrote a great column over the, the break about kind of falling back in love with fiction and yes. there is a real sense of like beauty of being able to do that like for the first time in two years I read a book in an afternoon wow. and I can't remember a time before social media that I was doing that yeah well let's start there what was the book that you read in an afternoon? Um, it was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn <gasps> Hugo. Amazing book. By Taylor Jenkins Reid. Taylor Jenkins Reid is actually the author of Daisy Jones and the Six, who is our book club pick at the moment. Yeah. A great book if you haven't read that one. You know what? It wasn't even on my recommendations list for you. Oh. So I read heaps of books and I thought I'd bring my three favourites from summer. And the one you read in an afternoon didn't make the top three. Well, actually, you know what? It should have. I loved, <laughs> I adored that. I adored that book. It is so, yes. so wonderful. Yep. But the books that I wanted to recommend for everyone today is Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld. I know that you've seen this around and you kind of haven't been interested because I'd recommended it for book club a couple of times I don't I know this is controversial I don't care that much about the Clintons like I don't find Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton that interesting or that inspiring then perhaps you might not like this book yeah I don't necessarily find them inspiring I think that would be a stretch but this book is essentially written about what Hillary Clinton's life could have looked like if she didn't marry Bill so it's all fiction And I sort of struggled in the first maybe 50 pages because it was obviously all the stuff that happened when they started dating. So it almost read like a memoir and a non-fiction book because it was true. Mm -hmm. And then from the moment they broke up, I was so enthralled and I kind of couldn't rejig my mind when I remembered that they were actually married yeah. in real life and this wasn't the story of them. And it is just a really interesting parallel universe, like an interesting sliding doors kind of moment book where you start to think about what her life could have looked like if she didn't marry him. Interesting. So, Pretty scathing of Bill, though, I will add, which is probably why I liked it so much. The other book that I really want to recommend is, of course, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. I mean, if you haven't heard of that book, it is sitting at about a 4.3 out of 5 stars on Goodreads after over 200,000 votes. This always intrigues me. If something has 200,000 votes on Goodreads, how many people who read a book go to Goodreads and give it a review? I've never reviewed anything on Goodreads. Actually, 
Great point. How many copies has Brit Bennett sold? Crazy amounts. A, a, a cent, I don't actually know. <laughs> I love how you asked me that question and I just sort of didn't know what to answer. Crazy just, amounts. Just insane amounts, Michelle. You'd have no idea. You know, The Vanishing Half is about two identical twins, black twins who run away and they eventually get separated. And one is able to pass as white and so lives her life as white. And the other one embraces her black identity and it sort of follows them separately and then as their lives intersect. Mm. That's about as much as I'll say because I just get so scared that I'll give away a spoiler. So I really recommend that, five out of five. And then the last book, Michelle, you recommended, I reckon about a year and a half ago on the podcast. Yes, this is one of, this might be my favourite book ever, but then I get nervous when I give something that title because I feel like people read it going, this is Michelle's favourite book ever, so it better be pretty good. But you had high expectations because I tried to sell this to you. Oh, and I was so into it. I love how we haven't given the title yet. So should we just (laughs) not for the next minute and like hype this thing up? No, it's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And I had been intending to read it after you said that. It's just one of those books that's like 550 pages. It's a Bible. It's the Bible of fiction books. And it's the kind of book that you want to read while you're on holiday, I think, because you can fly through it. I don't know if I would have... I probably would have read it as quickly if I was doing the work year, but it was nice that I had the break. It's a hard book to sell. So that's why I have you here to sell it with me. It is a novel that follows a Korean family over the course of like a hundred years as they immigrate to Japan. But I just, I adore books that do cover the family lifespan of like a hundred years and you get to learn like the generations. But can you tell people why they should read it? You should read it because one of the central storylines very early on, this isn't a spoiler, I'm pretty sure it's in the blurb, is that a young 15-year-old girl finds herself pregnant to a wealthy older man. And keep in mind, this is set in like, I think, 1910, 1920 from memory or part of it is anyway. So we're not <laughs> just forgotten already. <laughs> we're not talking about current day. This is a pregnant teenager who's not married yeah. in Korea decades and decades ago. And it is a fascinating way to kind of anchor the story early on. And then you see different family members come in. You learn a lot of history as well. I'm someone who's never really been a huge history buff, but I feel like this book is not only powerful and emotional and beautifully told it's educational about the history between Korea and Japan as well I've tried my best I I, hope someone picks it up because Pachinko it's also very feminist and I love that as well yeah you're right and I think I needed someone to tell this to me before Mm. I picked it up is it's not too dense I think that's what people worry about when they see a big book like that and how long is it going to take me to get into it Mm. but this one I was into straight away so very much recommend Pachinko even though it's not necessarily a new book at all it's a masterpiece please pick it up now normally we throw to the hotline Zara but to be honest today's episode is too jam-packed it's too full and we've obviously been on break anyway so I'm not sure what you guys have been calling the hotline with (laughs) I haven't actually listened I haven't listened either so no hotline messages today because there is simply not enough time to get through everything however we do have a bit of an exciting announcement Zara over the break we released our shameless summer charity merch we did bucket hats we did caps we are donating ten dollars per item towards two charities that we love Jira and Safe Steps Victoria which both help protect women and children from family violence we've already sold hundreds we have a few left and if you're very quick this morning you can get your hands on the very last ones that is correct if you are listening to this after 7am they should be live on Sweater Club we will have the link in our Instagram stories I'm sure and in our bio on Instagram so go jump on there check it out be sun safe support charity all the good stuff look really cool support the show I'm pretty sure we've actually once we sell these we would have raised I think another $10,000 for charity within the shameless community so awesome work I'm pretty sure this gets us over a hundred thousand dollars that we've raised as a podcast it is incredible but we've got to get into the first segment of the show today (laughs) michelle and we are starting with my favorite story of summer it is obviously (sighs) hillary baldwin hillary hilary baldwin hillary hilaria who knows at this point i think natalie riley put this really well when she wrote an explainer for sydney morning herald and her opening line was hilaria baldwin second wife of actor alec baldwin is not quite who we thought she was Zara, would you take it from there? (laughs) Well, I think to start today, we probably need to give some context on who Hilaria Baldwin is or dare I say was. She's not dead though. (laughs) For those who may have missed this story, Hilaria Baldwin is the wife of actor Alec Baldwin. You of course may remember him from shows like 30 Rock, which I've never watched, which actually is probably going to have pitchforks. People are going to have pitchforks for us if we (laughs) haven't watched that show. I know. Have you tried watching it? No, nothing about that show appeals to me. I've watched one episode and I just was like, what is this? The ads used to make me cringe. I just, I'm never going to watch that. I I will die on this hill. Imagine how many DMs we're going to get now. Anyway, (laughs) 
Valeria met Alec Baldwin in 2011 and they married the following year. Mm. I think they had an incredible meeting quote. What was it? They did. So this is a quote I found in the New York Times. Hilaria Baldwin met her now husband, Alec Baldwin, at a restaurant when he walked up to her, took her hand and said, who are you? I must know you. So Alec Baldwin (laughs) said that to her? He said that to her. That is such a celebrity thing to say. Like you could walk up. I think if you're famous, you could probably walk up to anyone and say that. But imagine if I walked up to someone in a bar and did that. Took their hand and said, who are you? I must know you. (laughs) I must know who you are. (laughs) So the reason that Hilaria Baldwin is in the news is because up until about a month ago, Hilaria Baldwin had proclaimed that she was Spanish, of Spanish descent, was born in Mallorca, I think she said. And what ended up happening is on December 20, it actually started started with Amy Schumer, Mish. On December 20, Amy Schumer uploaded a photo of Hilaria Baldwin with her three-month-old baby. And Hilaria Baldwin, who is a yoga instructor and has a history of bouncing back from giving birth very quickly and posting about it, had uploaded a photo in, I think it was like bikini or lingerie with the baby. Mm. Amy Schumer uploads this photo saying, Jean and I, which is her son, wanted to wish everyone a happy holiday season, enjoy it with whatever family members are talking to you this year. So she was pretending that Hilaria Baldwin was her because Hilaria Baldwin was hot with a baby. Baldwin didn't actually like this post very much and she went on live on Instagram, on live on Instagram, went on Instagram live (laughs) and kind of gave this speech about body shaming and body positivity, which is a conversation for a whole other time. But what was interesting about that live is she kind of switched between American accent and Spanish accent. Mm. Which, putting our hands up, that can happen. If you're bilingual or if you've lived in multiple places before, accents do come and go and they can very much be fluid and they can kind of pop up and then rear their head and then go away. Not saying that doesn't happen. I'm sure there are listeners who are thinking, well, that's pretty normal. What's not normal is that a Twitter user by the name of Lenny Briscoe then took to Twitter and wrote, you have to admire Hilaria Baldwin's commitment to her decade-long grift where she impersonates a Spanish person. What I find fascinating about this is Lenny Briscoe at that point had about 400, 500 Twitter followers. Not big. No one really knows who Lenny Briscoe is. I think it's a pseudonym. Because Lenny Briscoe is a character from Law & Order. So what people are thinking is it's someone in the industry who's breaking this. Right. So whoever did break it clearly has contacts close to Hilaria Baldwin. Because this Twitter user with 400 followers all of a sudden had Hilaria Baldwin's ex-high school peers and people who have been in her circles, ex-dancing partners, people who have known her before she married Alec Baldwin, who came onto the tweet and then started writing things like, I went to school with her. She was born in Boston. Her entire family is white, not Spanish. And from there, the tabloids picked it up and this became an absolute firestorm. It really kicked off. I mean, I didn't spend a huge amount of time. Actually, Twitter was the only app I I kept over summer because I like to use it for news, I guess. And when this Hilaria Baldwin thing came out, I was just obsessed. (laughs) There were incredible videos that came out of her on like the Today Show, where she's pretending she doesn't know how to pronounce a cucumber. And I'll put the clip in here right now because I think I'm not explaining it very well. We have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have, um, how do you say anything? Cucumber? Cucumbers. We have... Um, So there's real commitment to the cause, right, Michelle? Real commitment to the cause. So she has insisted for years since she's been in the public eye that her name is Ilaria. She had a Spanish-themed wedding in which she clutched a flamenco fan. She gave her five children Spanish names and refers to the family as the Baldwinitos. Wait, does she do that? (laughs) I didn't know she did that. (laughs) (laughs) On a recent... Wait, you need to read the kids' names out because that's half the... I don't even have the children's names. I've got them here. Carmen Gabriella... Raphael Thomas, Leonardo Angel Charles, Romeo Alejandro David, and Eduardo Paul Lucas. This is where it gets so baffling, right? Because she's out, like she's outwardly said that she's from Spain. On a podcast in 2020, she said, I moved when I was 19 to go to NYU from Majorca. She was insinuating, someone kind of quizzed her to be like, what do you mean we're from? She said, my family's from Majorca. So she has always given people the impression very clearly that she's from Majorca, Spain, when that is not the truth. It's just, I mean, I have a lot of questions and have had a lot of thoughts over the last few weeks. But one of the things that gets me the most is in what world is this never going to come out? Like, do you know what I mean? When you've lived a whole life as one person and then suddenly you marry a famous person and are 
living a lie, like let's not beat around the bush, in what world is it not going to come out? Is it a level of arrogance or ignorance or what is it to make someone do something like this? I wonder, I mean, I'm trying to think if I knew someone in high school who then became mega famous and started telling the world they were Spanish when I thought they weren't. I would doubt myself. Why would someone make this up? If I was Hilaria or Hilary Baldwin's ex-peer, I would think, well, maybe she did live in Spain before she came to school. Maybe she wanted to assimilate really quickly in high school and kind of covered up her accent and kind of westernised her name. And I would second guess things. Like, you'd have to be pretty ballsy to come out and be like, liar. You feel a bit gaslit, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Yeah, that is actually quite a good point. So when all of this unfolded, she ended up doing an interview. Hilaria ended up doing an interview with the New York Times to sort of explain herself because it was getting a bit firestormy, complete firestormy. And some of the quotes in this piece, Mish, are incredible, not just from Hilaria, but from other people in the story and from the journalist themselves. I wanted to read one for you. Miss Baldwin is bilingual and she speaks English with varying degrees of a Spanish accent depending on how happy or upset she is feeling, she said. She didn't know that Hola magazine, for which she has twice posed for the cover and which was written some 20 items about her on its English language website so far this year, repeatedly reported inaccurately that she was a Spaniard because she said she didn't read articles about herself. Mm. Another one, if I may, which is is actually about Lenny Briscoe, who started the tweets, Mm. said that Miss Baldwin's American upbringing was an open secret among many people in New York and she just decided to make it less secret. We're all bored and it just seems so strange to me that no one had ever come out and said it, especially for someone who gets so much media attention, said the woman who was granted anonymity by the New York Times because she was scared that Mr Baldwin, who agreed to take an anger management course in 2019 in order to dispose of charges after a fight with a man over a parking spot, (laughs) would punch her. What the hell is that? What the hell is that? My favourite part about the New York Times story and the New York Times interview, which she sat down with the New York Times for 80 minutes, by the way. This was no like call it in, chat on the phone for 10 minutes. This was sitting down with the journalist for over an hour while she held her baby. She said, the things I have shared about myself are very clear. I was born in Boston. I spent time in Boston and in Spain. My family now lives in Spain. I moved to New York when I was 19 years old and I have lived here ever since. For me, I feel like I've spent 10 years sharing that story over and over again. And now it seems like it's not enough. I feel like I'm being gaslit. <laughs> I know as you I are. read that, I'm like, has she? Like, is the entire world confused? Is this just a miscom? Or is getting up on national TV, holding up a cucumber and saying, how do you say this? How how do you say cucumber? Is that, (laughs) like, what? Like, how can she still stand there and be like, no, no, you guys are the ones who are confused. When her own agency bio said she was born in Mallorca, Spain. Like, how can you point to everyone around you and be like, it's everyone else who is wrong, not me. Your agency would be writing the bio that you tell them to write. It's interesting. It must be a survival thing again. Like, you know, you know that classic case of when you tell yourself a lie for so long mm. that you almost believe it. I mean, in my case, I tell them on a far smaller level, like I'll, I'll pretend that I'm sick to get out of something and then I'll, you know, am oh, really? I actually sick? Am I actually <laughs> sick? Am I actually sick? Do you know what I mean? But this, it must be something to do with that. I mean, this article in the New York Times, which we will put the link in the show notes because it's a it's a pretty incredible read, but the first quote they used from her, which I think was her opening quote to the journalist, was, I just want to start with boundaries. This is all about boundaries. Mm. And it's like, that is such, boundary, firstly, boundaries is such a buzzword at the moment. And also, like, what does it actually mean? Like, you're being vague. This doesn't actually mean anything, but what an incredible way to start the interview. I want to ask you something. Oh, yes. Does any of it matter? So she lied about being Spanish. She's not Spanish. However, her family now lives in Spain. She clearly feels an affinity for the culture and the people. It sounds like she certainly wants to identify as Spanish. I found one line in Hadley Freeman's Guardian article to be interesting. She finished with, I cannot be outraged about this almost endearing desire to be Spanish. I will die on this hill. Hilaria's lingerie selfies and the way she uses her kids to advertise stuff are far greater crimes than cosplaying Penelope Cruz. And that's my question. Does it matter? Like, does it matter that she has impersonated a Spanish person for almost a decade or are we allowed to kind of be like what the fuck this isn't cool 
I mean, it's it's a really interesting question. I don't think I stand with Hadley Freeman. It doesn't matter to me, but also I don't think my opinion is the most important one. I think mm. to immigrants around America, particularly Spanish immigrants who might be having a really hard time assimilating, who may not have sort of like the sexied up version of being a Spaniard that Hilaria Baldwin is sort of portrayed, then yeah, it may be a bit offensive to them. And I don't think I'd tell anyone that they're not allowed to be offended by it. I am not personally offended by it. I've spent a lot of summer laughing about it because I think it's kind of ridiculous and may Maybe, maybe it was such a heavy summer that everybody needed something to sort of cling on to, to be like, this is the ridiculous story that I'm going to deep dive and distract myself with. Mm. It's really interesting. Alec Baldwin has officially left Twitter as of yesterday. He wrote, Twitter is like a party where everyone is screaming. Not much of a party. Goodbye for now. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to hear your thoughts. If you are Spanish, if you're a Spanish immigrant and you have feelings about this, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the hotline. Do you care? Does it matter? Call us. Yeah. I have one tweet I want to finish up with, Mish. It's from Christine Marie who wrote, if Hilaria Baldwin vacationing in Mallorca as a child makes her a Spaniard, then all those summers at Walt Disney World makes me Mary fucking Poppins. (laughs) Coming up after the break, Army Hammer's cannibalism controversy. Kylie Jenner's shower and why Olivia Rodrigo is already the breakout celebrity of 2021. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara, I think these are five from the last couple of weeks, but we simply couldn't go past this lineup of quick and dirty stories. We absolutely couldn't and we simply could not go past this as my first story. (laughs) Exclusive, how model Jessica Hart calling her daughter baby sparked a bizarre feud with her friend, who also has a little girl called Baby. That is from the Daily Mail. Now, one thing I would like to note about this story is it's an important note that Jessica Hart's baby is spelt baby, as you'd imagine it. B-A-B-Y. B-A-B-Y. Her friend, Sasha, has also called her her daughter Baby, but it is spelt B-A-Y-B-I. Why, oh why, would you call your baby Baby? It's... I'm sorry. Are you name shame? I'm not even sorry to the babies listening. If your name's baby, why? (laughs) That's like calling. Like, see, I even got confused right then (laughs) to all the babies out there. Is that, is the next stop like having a girl and be like, girl, or having a boy and going, boy. Well, here's the thing. So a bit of context before we jump into the absolute no. name of Michelle Andrews. <laughs> Model Jess Hart had a baby with NASCAR driver James Kirkham. Is it NASCAR? Sure. Sure. And they had the baby, I think it was in November, obviously called their baby Baby. She told people, I first heard the name in the movie Dirty Dancing and always thought I'd love to name my daughter Baby. That was a nickname. <laughs> that wasn't even a name. <laughs> was that true? It's calling her Baby as in like Baby. Are you sure her name wasn't Baby? Her real name wasn't Baby. That was a nickname. Annabelle, Annabelle Lee. Are you Googling this? Annabelle Lee, do a live Google for I'm us. I'm pretty sure her name was Baby. That was her nickname. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a nickname. Thank you, Annabelle Lee. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm actually glad it was a nickname. This makes it even funnier. That's like hearing me like, I heard the name Hun in a video, so I'm going to call my baby Hun <laughs> or sw- darling. Oh, sweetie pie. <laughs> anyway, the reason that this has made news is because someone went to the SMH, the Sydney Morning Herald, and said that it has caused a rift between Jess Hart and her friends Sasha Benz because Sasha Benz named her daughter I'm going to have to call her baby Baby. to to distinguish between the two. (laughs) And the quote of the newspaper was, Sasha was devastated that her close friend would copy her daughter's unique name, especially after she'd gone to her for name ideas. Baby. This is, okay, that quote, I actually feel, I think it is a bit shit. If you've heard your friend's name I agree. and it's a very unique name I agree. and you copy. Like that's – you don't go there. You don't do that. That's like copying a wedding dress. Even if the spelling's different, I just don't think you can do it. Not when it's something as unique as well, baby. Well, it depends. You know what? Maybe maybe Sasha's kids actually pronounce baby. And the other one is – And the other one is – I need to stop. You can't do that again. <laughs> and the other one's me. bebe. <laughs> it, could, it actually could be baby and bebe. Would you be re- – you'd be really angry though if a friend stole your baby name. Absolutely. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know if that makes me petty or not. I don't care if it does. I think if I said to you, I've always been thinking of this name and then I always, and then I name my child that and then you come in and just name them, your child the same thing, yeah. it'd be pretty weird. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd go as far as dog names. If I name my dog Ziggy and then, or Benji, like I did, and then my best friend gets a dog and also names it Benji, I'd find that a bit strange. 
Oh, I don't care about dog names. That's because you don't care about dogs. (laughs) Probably too. (laughs) My second story, Kanye West is reportedly talking to divorce lawyers now that he and Kim Kardashian stopped marriage counselling. That is from Elle magazine. One of the biggest celebrity stories this summer, but perhaps not the most surprising. The least surprising in the history of the celebrity world, I would say. So according to People, who is the New York Times of the celebrity and gossip industry, they have... a bit of a compliment. (laughs) No, but but we can trust People. I feel like People the most trustworthy and vanity fair and stuff like that but people when they speak it's not like new idea or a woman's day no I agree with that so they wrote an article saying that the couple's given up they've lived separately for months they did not spend the holiday season together Kanye notably last year was not at Kim's 40th birthday party things are done between them and they have initiated divorce proceedings. What I find interesting about this though, Zara, they haven't actually like filed the papers. They've initiated proceedings as far as getting lawyers involved and kind of looking at the finances and releasing state and like... But not even though. That's what I find interesting. So they've announced that they intend to divorce for now they've split, which you could argue they've probably done for the last six months because they've been living in opposite sides of the country. Also, there was an article this week that said that Kanye was only starting to talk to divorce lawyers now. So I think it's quite rare that a story about a celebrity split comes out before they've actually filed for divorce because I think when a couple knows they file for divorce, it's probably going to be public because someone's going to find out. The difference between these two, of course, is that Kim Kardashian is filming her 20th season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So interestingly, on January 6, news broke that the couple had split and intended to divorce. On January 8, Kim Kardashian revealed that they were filming their last ever episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians on E. Mm. So I would love to know how long they've kept this news under wraps to drop so that they're able to talk about it in the last like episode or two of the show. Clever as always, Devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. It's just insane. It does really make me think. And I know we've had many a debate back and forth about how much is set up when it comes to the Kardashians, but the timing is always just on point. And it does really make me wonder how often this family lives their lives for the timeline of the show. Like having to keep stories under wraps, dropping them at a certain time. It would get pretty fucking tiring. Yeah, probably. I've got to say I did breathe a huge sigh of relief for Kim Kardashian when this news came out. I feel like it would be incredibly complicated and I'm not denying that, of course, having a partner with mental illness, which has been well documented, particularly over the last 12 months, is really complex and really difficult for the couples, particularly the individual going through that mental illness. But what I will say is when Kanye came out and told the world that Kim Kardashian had considered aborting her pregnancy with North, I think from that moment onwards, I was like, this is not healthy for her. Like this is not a good position to be in. This is not a good relationship for her. And that's dangerous to be sharing information like that without your wife's permission. So I'm relieved that she'll be kind of removing herself from that situation happening again. Well, particularly when we live in a world that seems to still sort of point to Kim and assume she is responsible for him, especially when he is so sick. And I think in that case, it's probably good that the split has happened. Hopefully it's for healthier outcomes for everybody. But my third story, talking of healthier outcomes for everyone... Why does the internet think Army Hammer is a cannibal? That's from the Sydney Morning Herald. Spoiler alert. I feel like I need a power raid before we do this one quick and dirty story. I have been nervous to talk about this. I don't want to talk about a cannibal. Like, I don't want to read out these quotes. I don't want to do any of it. It's just not what I was expecting, if I was honest. Army Hammer. Who is Army Hammer, if you're wondering? He is an American actor in films such as Call Me By Your Name and The Social Network. He allegedly has a cannibal fetish. He has vehemently denied that allegation. Correct. So what has happened is last week, yeah, <laughs> I'm talking like a morning voice, last week a number of very much disturbing screenshots started to circulate on Instagram, which were I think alleged texts or DMs, Mish, between mm. Army Hammer and a woman who claimed that she was involved with the actor between 2016 and 2020, even while he was married to his wife of... 10 years Elizabeth Chambers. I think they've actually split now, haven't they? Absolutely have. He has also been having consensual affairs when they were married with at least five different women, allegedly. And those women have come forward and kind of shared stories with everything from the tabloids to gossip Instagram pages. But it's what they've shared The details of these affairs that has people absolutely stunned. I mean, we know by now that actors cheat on their wives and actresses cheat on their husbands. That's no real story anymore in Hollywood. The story here is that Army Hammer says he ate a deer heart while it was still warm. 
Yes. I perhaps might read some of these messages for a bit of context. In some of these messages, he said he was 100% a cannibal, told one of these women that he wanted to eat them and not in the sexy sense. He also said, I need to drink your blood. I crave it. I need to eat your entire body. I need to touch every part of you inside and out. I want to bite pieces of you. Another said, I've cut the heart out of an animal before and eaten it while it was still warm. We need to put in a disclaimer. Absolutely. That screenshots can be doctored. Totally. And these things can always be false. Like who knows what the truth is here? All we have. Might have been a cow's heart. It might have been. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Imagine eating it out. Don't. Also, like don't. all the vegans listening will be. <laughs> I, I, it's not me. I don't agree with this. <laughs> I do not agree with this. Let's put this on the record. Zara is vehemently anti-cannibalism. I can't believe I even have to fucking say that. But it could be doctored. Like we're putting that out into the world. This could be faked. And of course, Army Hammer says none of it's true. He does have exes who have put their names, though, to some of these claims and have spoken to the likes of Page Six and have verified screenshots. Army Hammer has come out and said, I'm not responding to these bullshit claims, but in light of the vicious and spurious online attacks against me, I cannot in good conscience now leave my children for four months to shoot a film in the Dominican Republic. So he stepped back from a film that he was starring with J-Lo. <laughs> Thank God for J-Lo. <laughs> Did J-Lo funny out that she's working? Some, someone saved J-Lo. <laughs> someone swooped in and saved J-Lo. I think it's interesting to add to the weirdness of this entire story. This week, someone found Army Hammer's private Instagram account. And I think it's called something weird like El Destructo 96 or something. And tell me, I'll tell you what El Destructo is about bang on. Anyway. On his private Instagram account, he had this video of what the Daily Mail would call like a scantily clad woman in her lingerie. And his caption was so weird. He wrote, well, my ex, for very good reason, wife, is refusing to come back to America with my children. So I have to go back to Cayman, which sucks. Except there are a few silver linings, like fucking Miss Cayman again while I'm down here. It was a leaked video of, you know, her crawling on the bed. <laughs> anyway, what's absolutely hilarious about this story is everyone turned around saying, well, who's Miss Cayman? A lot of the media came to the conclusion that it must be Miss Cayman Islands, like the, the beauty queen. Yeah. But unfortunately it wasn't. So it has prompted Miss Cayman Islands Universe Committee to release a statement saying it was very disturbed by the video and confirming that the women seen is not the reigning Miss Cayman Islands and has no affiliation to the Miss Cayman Islands Universe pageant. He has had to formally apologise to Miss Cayman Islands by saying, I would like to clarify that the person in my video, which was stolen from my private Instagram, is not Miss Cayman. I am genuinely sorry for any confusion my foolish attempt of humour may cause. My deep sympathy to Miss Cayman, who I don't know, and to the entire organization as I had no intentions of implying she was actually Miss Cayman. Imagine being the president of the Miss Cayman Islands Universe Committee and waking up to find that you are the centre of a cannibalism Hollywood scandal. I can't. Anyway, I think that's about all we can give today. I don't have any cannibalism left in me. If you want to read all the messages, and let me tell you, we did not include the worst ones. That dear heart one is far from being the worst one. If you want to read them, just Google them. But I couldn't sit no. behind this microphone. In and good faith and, not re- and read those out. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight or ever again. All right, my fourth story. (laughs) Halsey's face started a new business. That is from The Cut. Pretty quick one here, guys. Halsey, obviously the chart-topping singer, has released her new brand, About Dash Face, which launched with 10 products, including highlighters, lipsticks, eyeshadows. Everything is vegan and cruelty-free. That's all very nice, but I just wanted to put this in the quick and dirty, Zara, to talk to you about the burgeoning number of celebrities releasing beauty brands. It's crazy. It's really nuts. Like we used to see every celebrity under the sun release a fragrance, but I'm just so taken aback by how many are releasing like eyeshadows and blotting powders now. So just a list. I did curate a list of everyone I could think of. We've now got Kim Kardashian with KKW Beauty, Kylie Jenner, obvious one, Rihanna with Fenty Beauty, Miranda Kerr has her own beauty line, Jessica Alba, Gwyneth Paltrow, Selena Gomez, J-Lo just announced J-Lo Beauty is on the way. Thank God that J-Lo was saved (laughs) so that she can release these blushes and everything. Lauren Conrad, Victoria Beckham, Lady Gaga has House Laboratories, which is exclusive to Amazon. I had no idea about that. Nor did I. And then Drew Barrymore has Flower Beauty. Beauty industry is booming right now. It is just nuts. It's the most obvious point in the world. But yeah, isn't that incredible? I mean, what I found interesting about this Halsey story, and I should put on the record that, yes, a couple of months ago, I did pronounce her Halsey on the podcast. Thank you for the DMs. I just never... (laughs) 
never acknowledged it because I couldn't be bothered. Halsey, if you didn't know, is according to BuzzFeed, like really good at makeup. Apparently she always does her own makeup when it comes to the majority of her on-tour performances, photo shoots, award show appearances and album covers. She also used to be a painter. So this makeup line I think is a little bit different to others in a sense where it's like full of colour and like really creative types of makeup, if that makes sense. It's not for like the no makeup makeup look. Halsey's line is all about you are wearing makeup, you're making a statement, you're expressing yourself. Exactly. And my fifth and final story, Twitter is dragging Kylie Jenner for her luxury showers, low water pressure. That is from Elle magazine. My favourite story. How do we know just from a photo that a shower has low water pressure? You clearly know nothing about this story. It was a video, first of all. Yeah, Kylie was kind of doing like a bit of a bathroom tour. She panned across the room. The shower was on. I don't know why. And the shower pressure was deplorable. Like if I dribbled on you right now, that would be like Kylie Jenner's shower. Why does Kylie Jenner keep doing tours of things? Last time it was rise and shine. Rise and shine. And now it's a low water pressure shower. In her $36 million mansion in Holmby, Holmby? Holmby Hills. Right. And I think this went so viral. Like this was the number one trend in Australia, the UK and in the US. And I think the reason for that is like, it just makes you feel good. Like I feel very good knowing that I will never have a $36 million home and that that's sad and I wish I did and that would be nice for all of us to be able to experience. But even when you have wealth and fame and star power to level Kylie Jenner has, you might still have a shitty shower with shitty shower pressure. It might be the guest bedroom. Or bedrooms. That's still not okay. If you're spending $36 million in a house, you want the water to be able to go so hard on you, it leaves bruises. That's what I want. Jesus. (laughs) All right, army. Enough for me. Hey, that's all I've got for the quick and dirty today. I like strong showers, so but I, I like eating deer. Nah, I like hot showers too. You know the ones that are probably not good for my skin. You know when they like sear you because they're so hot. I need to leave you red. Yeah, they're good showers. Anyway, that is genuinely all I've got for you today. <laughs> Thanks so much. I don't care if the gondola is closed. I want a fucking gondola ride. We're only a few weeks into 2021 and already the world has its new breakout star. If the name Olivia Rodrigo sounds familiar, that's because the 17-year-old just stripped some of the music industry's biggest names, think Cardi B and Drake, of their streaming records. Yep, after releasing her single Driver's License on January 8, Olivia Rodrigo just cemented the biggest week of any song in existence on Spotify and yesterday debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Zara, is this the biggest launch in music's history? (laughs) I mean, I I don't know that much about music, but sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it's been pretty bananas week for Olivia Rodrigo, given so many people didn't know who she was beforehand. I mean, I will acknowledge there were quite a few fans of Olivia Rodrigo leading up to this song. She was the star of high school musical the musical the series which I think needs a second to be talked about is that is that like taking the piss high school musical the musical the series is that taking the piss that name or is that like a legit serious I just assumed it was legit serious but you know what it probably isn't is it it has to be taking the piss I mean maybe so she's a Disney star she's a Disney star and has quite a following from that Disney world but she still is only 17 so with driver's license I think what Olivia Rodrigo was trying to do was what a lot of Disney stars try to do Mm. and that is sort of break out of that Disney shell and cement themselves as more of an adult right absolutely as you said she would have had fans before this but I think those fans would absolutely be Gen Z and younger I mean think of the demographic that watch High School Musical I loved it back in the day when I was like 12 so that's probably the demo that she was appealing to it's worth noting her Instagram following has doubled in the space of a week since this song came out. So she now has over 4 million, I think almost 5 million followers. So her name is absolutely surging everywhere. She also signed last year with record labels Interscope Records and Geffen Records. So this has kind of been in the works. Like with High School Musical, she's had a couple of tracks that she's either sung solo or sung as a duet go really well on TikTok. People have been using those tracks behind really emotional like breakup montages, <laughs> really sad videos that tend to not rock up on my feed, but that's kind oh. of how... Because <laughs> I'm not into that. I'm into cool stuff on TikTok. Yeah. But her career has been really tied to TikTok in the last year and I think TikTok has been seminal in making Driver's License the biggest song 
Well, I mean, we're one year into the decade, but of the decade so far. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the New York Times had a a pretty bang on stand first, which said the debut single from the 17-year-old Disney actress became a TikTok smash, broke Spotify records and topped the Billboard chart thanks to a perfect storm of quality, gossip and marketing. And I think that's pretty bang on. Like, it is a quality song. There was a lot of gossip around it and the marketing was pretty strong. I mean, the numbers are pretty insane, aren't they? Like the millions and millions of streams, which I'm trying to find in my notes, but I just can't. (laughs) 17 million global streams was the peak it hit last week, which is the biggest of any song. She broke the record and then broke her own record the next day, jumped from 15.7 up to 17 million. But the drama behind this song is so interesting. And it feels a little bit weird because I'm like 26 sitting here talking about the love lives of teenagers and very, very young adults. And yet I'm so enthralled, I simply can't look away. So Driver's license is a great song it's really fun to sing along to it's really catchy really boppy you'll probably play it once and then play it a hundred times after that because you can't get over it but you touched on the drama there in that new york times quote before and let's actually delve into that because from all reports and i think strong murmurings out of olivia rodrigo's own camp including her high school musical castmates this song depicts a true love triangle and a true heartbreak that Olivia Rodrigo experienced last year. The three players are Olivia herself, Joshua Bassett, who she starred in High School Musical with and has co-written single Just For A Moment with, and then finally Sabrina Carpenter, a 21-year-old who is also a Disney star who people know from the series Girl Meets World. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I think I didn't know who Sabrina was, but apparently she's huge. She has like 24 million followers. Doesn't on that Instagram. Make, doesn't that make you feel so old? It makes me so confused because I literally had never seen her name before. I have a job in pop culture and it made me realise that I'm truly not with the young people anymore. I am one of the old out of date people. Now. <laughs> I think we are. I think the reason that people are speculating about this is for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I think Olivia Rodrigo in the past in media interviews has said that Joshua Bassett taught her how to drive or yes. something like that. Also, there's a line in particular where she sings and you're probably with that blonde girl who always makes me doubt she's so much older than me she's everything I'm insecure about Sabrina is obviously a little bit older she's blonde and she's reportedly dating Joshua Bassett after Olivia reportedly dated Joshua Bassett yes well this is where it gets complicated in 2019 Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo went to Halloween together and they wore a couple's costume by 2020 Halloween, Joshua Bassett was wearing a couple's costume with Sabrina Carpenter. Oh, well, there you go. So that's pretty much it. What I find interesting about this is after Olivia Rodrigo dropped Driver's License, Joshua Bassett dropped a song called Lie, Lie, Lie. And some of the lines in that are kind of interesting. He wrote, I know what you say about me. I hope that makes you happy. You can't seem to get me off your mind. Oh, get me off your mind. <laughs> I know you're lying through your teeth. So I just want to look at the dates for a second here. On January 4, Olivia announced the release of her debut single. Literally an hour later, he announced his new single called Lie, Lie, Lie that was to be released on January 14. Call me nuts, but there's no fucking way this isn't all a setup. Yeah, actually, that makes me kind of sad. Yeah. Are we all being played? Absolutely, we're all being played. We're absolutely being played. But honestly, an cool. hour later, he, he announced that he was dropping Lie, Lie, Lie. And you can't just do that with it. Like, so, who's no. going to see it? And then within an hour, be like, right, fellas, <laughs> we're going next week. <laughs> we, we're on here. <laughs> so the launch dates were January 8 and January 14. Oh, it's They've quick. also made it very, very obvious. So, totally. like, Olivia Rodrigo gave quotes last year about Joshua teaching her to drive. One of the lyrics in Drivers license is red lights stop signs I still see your face in the white cars white cars Joshua has a white car we know that because of Instagram because photos of his car on Instagram that people have been able to track down Spotify has also really been behind this and really pushed it from the get-go so Spotify has accounted for more than 60% of the song's global streams and put the song on 150 of its official Spotify playlists in the week that it dropped. Something's fishy. But something's incredible as well because a 17-year-old girl has broken all the competition. A 17-year-old girl has come through and shown Drake, who has been one of the biggest names, probably the biggest name in music. I think he broke the record for the most billions of streams on Mm. Spotify this week. She's come in and just fucking killed it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it would be naive of us to assume it's a 17-year-old girl doing this by herself. Like, there'd be 
teams and streams of people behind her working to make this happen. And I think that's what's interesting about the dropping of both of these stories, the leaking of all of the triangle around it. And I think that's exactly what the New York Times were getting at when they said in that stand first, thanks to a perfect storm of quality. And because that's the thing, it has to be a good song for this to get off the ground. Quality, gossip and marketing. And I think the gossip and the marketing are tied together very, very tightly. I don't know if this is a good parallel, but her rise and the success of this single is reminiscent of Britney Spears with Baby One More Time to me and it might be because I'm listening to a lot of podcasts about Britney Spears's early years at the moment I'm really interested in that story but Britney Spears was 17 when Baby One More Time became one of the biggest songs in the entire world debuted at number one it really does feel like there's a lot of parallels here with that as well just like the youth the way massive companies have seen something in Olivia Rodrigo whether it's like the all-american girl the relatable TikTok kind of vibe that she has People have seen something in her and she has just been skyrocketed. And I'm really happy for her. I think it's incredible that such a talented teenager has managed to carve out a space like this. One question I want to ask you is, how do you feel towards Sabrina Carpenter? Because that would be incredibly difficult. You're 21. You just happen to be dating a guy who broke another girl's heart, which I think everyone listening would be able to say they've dated someone who dated someone else before them. She's through no fault in this and yet she is now a huge name in one of the biggest celebrity stories. She's so young. All of this attention is on her new relationship through no fault of her own. Well, I think I'd be more concerned if she didn't already have 24 million followers on Instagram. It's not like she's like an anonymous girl plucked from obscurity put through this. That's not to say that her feelings don't matter, but it is to say that I wouldn't be surprised if she was prepped for this coming. Right. My opinion would be reliant completely on whether they were all set up in this and I just wouldn't be surprised if they all knew if she wasn't then yes I very much feel for her that's a separate thing Mm. it would be really hard particularly when considering how we villainize a woman the other woman the other woman even when she's not even technically the other woman so that wouldn't be good if she didn't know but part of me just thinks they all kind of knew this was all happening and the joke's on us. Yeah, maybe. I think unfortunately, particularly young people online can be so simplistic with how they go about this. Like if you go and read some of the comments on Sabrina Carpenter's page or about Sabrina Carpenter, I don't think we should downplay the way people talk about her and the way people jump on a bandwagon like this and the way people buy into drama. It's just interesting. I think when, when we're concerning ourselves with like high schoolers, the level of toxicity with some of these conversations sometimes truly makes me scared, but you're right. They've been prepped for this. They're all celebrities already. I'm just happy. I hope people leave Sabrina Carpenter alone. You know what? I hope people leave Joshua Bassett alone. It's not his fault that he fell in love with someone else. That fucking happens too. I'm just happy for Olivia Rodrigo. Go get your bank, girl. (laughs) Go get that bank. Hey, I reckon that's all we have time for today. I think it is. Hey, guys, welcome to Thursdays. We hope you enjoyed this first episode back. We are so excited for 2021. If you want to support our show, the best way to do that is to subscribe and leave a nice review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or click follow on Spotify, or to be honest, bring it up in conversations with a friend. If someone brings up driver's license to you this week, be like, you know what you need to listen to? These two idiots on a podcast called Shameless. Exactly that. We'll be back in your ears on Monday with another in conversation, but between now and then we'll be on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. And TikTok. I can't remember what our username is, but something along the lines of Shameless Podcast. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.